Welcome to Section 9, where we talk about IT and information security. I'm Damian Hall. And I'm Dorothy. And today we're going to talk about our 365 migration. We've already migrated, which is pretty cool. And then we're going to talk about next steps. Now, uh, I did the migration without you because I ran into some issues and I said, okay, let's go ahead and migrate. Plus, there were some things that I had to do that I wasn't too sure about. You know, there's always those unknown things that you run into where you didn't plan for that or you didn't think about that. And now you got to do some quick research to get it done. So I decided to just go ahead and do that. And I ran into a few issues. So just to remind everybody, uh, we had to migrate some of our Google data, right? Because we have G Suite, we're going to 365. So I had to make sure that uh, Google Drive was backed up, that I'm going to migrate my email, contacts, any user accounts that we have in our G Suite setup. Those need to be migrated as well. And uh, those are going to be, the user accounts are going to be set up as shared mailboxes. So we've talked about some of this already. Uh, You haven't seen some of this yet, but you will. We'll go over this together. Uh, Now, I'm not going to talk about the details of the migration process because anytime you do something like this, you have to make sure that what you're doing matches what what you have, right? So like every situation is different. So for us, there's just two of us. And, and your email uh, account is pretty empty. You're not really doing a whole lot with uh, 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 Google Drive. In fact, you have nothing in there for Section 9. So it's really just my account that has to be migrated over. So when I planned for this, all I'm thinking about is how do I migrate my stuff to 365? Others are going to have lots of users, and so they're going to have to take a completely different process to migrate their, their stuff to 365. So in my case, I'm just using Outlook to migrate my email. And that worked okay, but then uh, Outlook decided not to talk to my 360 or my uh, my Gmail account. So the way you do it is you put in your 365 account, you put in your Gmail account, and then you export your Gmail emails to a, a PST file, and then you re-import that into Outlook, but you apply that to your 365 account. And then all your emails and your folders and everything else that you had in Gmail are going to show up in Outlook. And then Outlook decided to stop working. So I had migrated some stuff, but not all of it, because now I have new email because you do it uh, you know, one day. And then if you wait, well, your Gmail account is going to get new email. Right. So now you need to migrate the new email in there. And of course, what I should have done was set up forwarding to where all my new emails would be forwarded to 365. So when I tried to do my last migration, Outlook decided not to work with Gmail. Gmail. So anyway, it was a a bit of an issue there, got that sorted and and decided to just select all my emails in my inbox on, on Gmail and just forward those to 365 and it was fine. Mine worked well because, like you said, I didn't have a whole heck of a lot, but I am getting uh, emails in my Outlook when you migrated my Section 9 uh, email. Yeah, and and so... We tested that. Yeah, we tested all of that. Mm -hmm. So in in looking at all of the things I needed to have lined up to make the migration happen and have it happen smoothly, uh, according to my checklist, I had everything ready to go. Email migrated, contacts migrated... Um, Google Drive was all backed up. User accounts were put into 365 as a shared mailbox. And so now I'm thinking, okay, let's just go ahead and migrate. And one reason that I decided to do that, again, was because Outlook and Gmail decided not to work with each other. So now I'm like, well, 
I'm going to get more email in my inbox on, on Google. I need to just migrate now so that doesn't happen. So I go into the admin center, do the setup process, everything looks good. And that's when I ran into my second issue, which is that you have to verify that you own your domain. So in our case, we're moving section 9.us to 365. So I verify that using some DNS stuff and that worked out great. But then the setup process says section 9.us is verified, but you can't use that because some other account on 365 <laughs> is, is, using it. is using section 9.us. And I thought, well, how, how's that possible? I own that. Nobody else should be using that. And that's when I remembered I had used it in another test account. And, you know, your test accounts are live. They're not necessarily just test accounts. Those are live on 365. And so I had to figure out what account that was and, and log into that and delete section 9.us from the list of domains. And, and it was just another step that I wasn't ready for. And that just goes to show you why we talk about making sure you have good documentation, you plan things properly, because you may end up in situations like this, which is totally my fault. But the thing is, even when you plan properly, you've forgotten about that tester user, you know, and those are some of the things that, um, and, and to the, for me, this is where the documentation is super important, because if we had had that documented, you would have gone, oh, wait a minute, I need to make sure that that tester is not on that domain because this is going to think that somebody else is using it. You would have seen that. But the fact that there wasn't any prior documentation, you know, these are the things that happen. And they're going to happen to all of us because, you know, it's impossible to totally document everything unless you're making an effort to do that. And that does take a long time. So baby steps to get there. <laughs> yeah, and, and one thing that I want to make sure people understand is that when we made the decision to migrate to 365, we're also thinking about, can we manage 365? So there's a management piece to this as well. And I had previously managed Office 365 before. And so when we migrated, because we're small, there's not a whole lot of things that has to be working right away. Like our data is still sitting on my Surface Pro, which is a bad place to be. I want it in the cloud. I want it backed up. So I really need to get that migrated to the cloud and figure out a backup process for that sooner than later. But other than that, the really important thing that I have to have is my email. In fact, that's really all that I really have to have is my email. And so when you think about that migration process, as long as we can get my email to work, because that's my main email account, for all the things that we do, uh, it that's really the only thing that has to be functional. And so when you migrate over to 365, the question is, will my email work? And of course, the answer to that is, yes, it will. There are settings in 365 that we have to look at in terms of how you manage email, certain um, extra protection that you might want to add in there for security reasons. But overall, if I do it right, I will get email at section9.us through 365. And so that's why I wasn't too concerned about the management process or, or being you know, 365 admins, because we're not 365 admins. We're learning how to do this. Well, and, and another thing, this is the reason why we're doing this. Right now, your main priority is that you get your email. But the whole point of you getting 
365 and us doing this migration is the fact, our goal in mind is this, can we uh, do certain things on 365 and acquire a certain amount of skills uh, to where, I mean, for us, it's just the two of us, but, you know, let's say that it's a bigger outfit, like you were saying, with more users, you know, then the plan changes. How many users do you need to, uh, you know, migrate? What kind of uh, things do those users need to have? So the process is a little bit bigger, but ultimately this is the step that you're working on. And this are, you know, even in this small step to where your only goal was to make sure you got your email, that it was working properly, you run into several issues. So, you know, that was interesting to say the least. Yeah. And looking back on that, uh, there are some tools within 365 that you can use to help you migrate off of Gmail or other other solutions. Um, there is one specific to Gmail or, or G Suite. And if you have a larger organization, you may want to take a look at those. And you can actually set up 365 like we did. Get your 365 account, go in there and look at these options, and, and then slowly migrate yourself off of G Suite using those tools. How do they work? I don't know because we didn't use them. Um, so at this point, we have to think about our next steps. You know, what's the what what are the important things that we have to be able to do with 365? And what are some things that might be extra things you have to do if you're coming off of uh, G Suite or some other solution? One of the things that I noticed in 365, and you go into the admin center, is there is a card that they have it that pops up when you log in uh, for training. And, and documentation for stuff that's related to 365. So I went and looked at some of that, and they give you kind of a basic overview of how some stuff in 365 works. And I happened to watch one on, it had something to do with email and security. And so I went and watched that, and I thought, oh, this is pretty cool. I want to configure this for us. So in, in uh, Gmail, even if you have a regular Gmail account, there are certain file types that you can't send through Gmail, that Gmail just won't allow you to send them. So if it's an EXE file, if you have other file formats like a Word document, an Excel spreadsheet, sometimes Gmail will look at that and go, you can't send that. You know, certain file types just won't let you send them. And that's for security purposes. You know, they don't want... Uh, any executable files to be sent or anything that has, uh, you know, uh, the extension to where it would be hackable, vulnerable, or whatever. Yeah, yeah they don't want... Malware. Yeah, they don't mm -hmm. want people sending malware through Gmail, and so they prevent those kind of uh, extensions from being sent or those file types being sent through Gmail. Now, on, on uh, Office 365, when you get that, you have Exchange Online. Well, Exchange Online can do that, but you actually have to go in there and configure that. So I went and followed the, the, uh, the uh, instructions they had in there and went through the uh, admin center... And, and what's interesting about that is that some stuff is in different locations that you wouldn't think that, uh, that they would be there. So I followed the instructions, got that set up, and, and, and now there are certain file types that you can't send or receive within our Section 9's uh, you know, email. And those are set up by default security? Uh, you have to put them in there. You have to turn the feature on. You have to turn the so feature it's not, on. So okay. it's not a default setting. No, that's why I was asking. Because, yeah, because uh, so if you yeah. come from something else like Gmail, mm. it's automatic, right? It's built in. You can't even see that kind of stuff. But in in 
365, while the option is there, it's not turned on by... No, but what I was asking, is it turned on by default on Gmail? It is on Gmail. Okay. But it's so, so again, if you come from Gmail, right. you can't send those file types because it's not allowed. In 365, by default... You, you have to send, configure them. You have to configure it. So you could send those things. You could receive those things. And so what you have to do is you have to go into 365 and set up your own security. So if we want to talk about some of the security stuff that we're learning by migrating to 365, and I already kind of knew this already, 365 is more configurable than something like Gmail or G Suite. Like the G Suite stuff has some things in there on the admin side that you can configure. And, and there are some security things that you can configure, which you should take a look at. Within 365, it's a little different. Stuff that, that you may have been used to automatically being there, like this file extension thing, are not the case when you migrate to 365. So 365 requires you to do a little extra work when it comes to what you might consider to be default security. Like, why don't they have that turned on by default? Well, they may say, well, we don't know what kind of setup you want to have, and we want to give you some flexibility. Maybe there are some file types that you want to send, others that you don't. So we're going to give you the option of doing that, which I, I don't think is, uh, I, I don't necessarily care for that. What I would like them to do is to have that turned on by default and allow you to go in there and modify that. Uh, but in this case, you have to go in there and actually turn it on and specify which files you want to have blocked. So that's going to be kind of an interesting thing as we move forward, because there's going to be a lot of security things that we would like to do, and we're going to have to figure out how to do them. So you and I sat down and talked about kind of the next step that we have, um, and, and the security piece is just one of those things that sort of made me realize that we need to do this sooner than later right? because of all the different things we're going to have to do. So you look at the admin center. And there's like four or five different locations you can go in there and, and modify things, maybe even more than that. So it's a lot of work that we have to do. So to sort of simplify things a bit and break things into chunks that we can manage, you know, it's not overwhelming where we're trying to do all of, all of it at once, which just, that's not going to work. So you and I are going to sit down and we're going to set up an environment that we can use for testing purposes. Right. And one of the things that you have asked me to do is to set up a couple of, uh, users that are testers and then I have to um, you know figure out how to configure them give them a license uh, you know um, so we're kind of gathering information right now and how to do that and then we're just going to kind of put it into practice and then take it from there yeah and it may sound somewhat basic to some people but if you've never done this before if you've never gone through the process you need to know what those are in order to be able to do them so what we want to do is document the process of creating a user, right. managing licenses, and, and whatever other features we have for those users. And then eventually what we want to do is get to the point where these users that we're going to use for testing have their own Windows 10 workstation, well, they can and, log and, in, right. and, and when they can check their email, we have Office installed, but we're a long ways from that yet. Right, but I mean, one of the important things of doing those very basics is that you have to know how to add a user. You have to know how to modify him. You have to know how to, um, you know, figure out that the user has been added. How do you do that, you know? So those are some of the basic things that when we get further in the project, if all of that is documented, is how you apply a license. You know, sometimes you can create the user and do the licensing 
At the same time, does a user need a license? What kind of user needs a license? You know all of that. So when you're doing your project, that's documented and you don't have to think about, wait a minute, now I got to stop and figure out how to uh, create the user or how to verify that is in there and how to. So, you know, basic as it may sound, I think it's a very important part of the process. Yeah. And sometimes people forget about the basics. And so when they go to do something, they're not too sure about some of what they're trying to accomplish. So in our case, we're just making sure that we cover as much of this as possible and not assume that we know how to do that. Because one of our users that we have in 365 has a license and that particular user, I don't think needs a license. It doesn't. So we need, that's another thing of the that we're doing when we're creating the, the users. How do you reassign a license to someone else or, you know, remove a license from a user? And, you know, because those with licenses, we're going to have to pay for, right? Exactly. And, and that, that costs money. So when you're looking at the budget that you have, or, or the users that you need to have, do they really need a license to be able to perform certain things? So um, I, I think as basic as it may sound, it's a really good part of the process. Yeah, and uh, as I said before, the security piece is gonna be interesting because things are sort of, even the just basic configuration, things are sort of spread out in different areas and you may think it's in one location, but, but it may be in a totally different location. As I said, when I did the, the email, the security piece for that wasn't in the exchange part of it. It was in some other location, which would have net. I unless somebody had unless I had that documentation that said here's where you go, I would have never thought to look there. Well, and not only that, I mean, uh, one of the things that keeps coming up. This is like the second time has come up since we started this project. Is uh, some of those security features are not turned on by default. So you really, when you're trying to learn security. And, and you want to make sure that, you know, you're configuring things so your network is secure just because, like, you know, Google had something already turned on by default. Don't assume that you, you're looking at a different uh, system and thinking that they're going to have it set up by default. So now that you know that you have that kind of security and you need to be the one configuring it, you know, that's part of the process. You know, what am I dealing with? Is this set up by default or do I need to go and do something about it and, and flip a switch, you know? So that is important. Yeah, so for next steps, we're going to be doing the the user accounts. We're going to create two of those. We're going to learn how to migrate licenses. We're going to learn how to do stuff with um, Outlook or Exchange online. And, and we're going to have to figure out how to manage these users so we can figure out how do we do, you know, change their settings, right? Some of these are going to be basic. How do I change some of their email settings? How do I change, uh, I don't know, there's going to be other things in there that we may want to look at in terms of user settings that may, we may want to apply to those uh, users. And so we may end up having to work with things like groups because uh, within 365, you can create policies. Well, how do those policies affect the user. We don't want those things applied to us. Right. We want it to apply to the test tester user. users. So we may have to say, okay, apply these policies to this test group where the two users that we're going to create in there are going to be, and then it's not going to affect us. And move them from one group to another and see what happens. And see what happens. So there's a lot of, of, yeah. of back and forth that we're going to have to do, a lot of documentation, things that we don't know yet. The project is going to grow a bit. Uh, because we're going to learn new things and find out that what we thought was going to be okay is not. we got to do something different. Or we may learn that there's new features that we didn't know about, and we're going to have to try those. And then one thing that I'm going to be looking into is figuring out how to get 
uh, Windows 10 authentication to work. And so there's a couple of things there that, that I've already seen. And what you can do is you can set up a new user and have that new user log into a device and Windows uh, will authenticate them as a new user. And they'll have a new profile and everything else will be kind of the same as what we have. The problem that you and I are going to have is that while there may be a machine that we can use that's brand new, we can wipe it, we can reinstall everything, and then we can log in as new users, which will be fine. We have other systems where we already have stuff in them. And so then the question is, well, how do I authenticate to Azure AD with my Windows 10 system that has all my stuff on it? Because I don't want to create a new profile. I want to keep the one that I have, and I want to authenticate through through, uh, Azure AD without having to change anything. So there's going to be some things that are going to be a little tricky because that one I'm not too sure about. I think there is a way to do that. I think I have seen some mention of that. So I'm assuming there's documentation on how to do that. But those are some things that we're going to have to look at. And little by little, we'll get to the point where we're starting to cover more of the security features. Like um, uh, There's also things for, for data classification, which is part of security. So there's all these new things that, that we have access to now which is going to require us to figure them out and and make them work. Uh, But yeah, I think that's it for now. We have a lot of homework to do. And uh, if you have any comments or questions, you can go to our website, uh, section9.us, and send us a ticket. If you want to take a look at the show notes, we'll have uh, things on the website as well. And thanks for listening. Thank you for listening.